up in the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Matt Spectro through the multiverse! I am your host, Matt Spectro, lifetime comic fan, lifetime animation fan, lifetime superhero fan. You've tuned in to the podcast exclusively about comic book animation. And it's a spooky episode as we are kicking off our month-long Halloween celebration. I'm going to briefly explain the rules, then we're going to bring out our guest. First rule, comic book animation. Nothing more needs to be said. Rule number two. Big fan of the old team-up books, Marvel Team-Up. DC Comics presents Marvel 2-in-1. So this is a team-up podcast. Me and a special guest talking comic book animation. Rule number three, we got to have fun. Thanks for joining us for episode 73, the kickoff of our Halloween spooktacular. I'm going to bring on my guest. Uh, hasn't been here in quite some time. Uh, last time I was here, we talked Silver Surfer. Welcome back to the multiverse. The one, the only, Adam Booker. Hey, thank you for having me back. It's great. All right. I'm glad to have you, especially on our Halloween kickoff episode. Yeah, right? One of my favorite holidays. Maybe, maybe my actual favorite holiday. I'm always torn between this and Christmas. Uh, I, I do a month-long celebration on the show for both Christmas and for Halloween. <laughs> now, I usually have to ask in these Halloween episodes, do you have a favorite either horror film or horror franchise you could pick? Oh, man, I don't know about really favorites. I don't know. Yeah, that's hard to really pick a favorite. I can tell you what, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Smile in the theater. I want to go catch that before it's gone. I haven't seen it. I saw the trailer for that. I've got to get around to seeing uh, Halloween Kills because Halloween Ends is about to come out. That's right. That's right. The last one I saw was uh, Black Phone with my daughter, which was really good, real creepy. I, I don't know. The Halloween, the original, might be my favorite movie, but the franchise as a whole has probably had more bad entries than than good ones. If I think about uh, as like a, a kid, because uh, that's what Halloween makes me think of is, is horror movies I watched as a kid. It was really the Friday the Thirteenth franchise that was like the one. No, I have a soft spot for that. as a, as a franchise. I probably enjoy that franchise more than Halloween, even though I think the first Halloween is obviously a better horror movie. Obviously, a better horror movie, huh? Yeah. <laughs> as well as i love the old universal the old hammer films <laughs> i love uh the thing the john carpenter that's one of my favorite horror movies of all time yeah there's too many to mention as far as uh like halloween stuff that's not horror we always my family we beetlejuice we watch every year uh, yeah hocus pocus even though i'm not a big fan of it's kind of a halloween tradition yeah, I, I managed to like skip over that. I know I at least saw it as a kid, but it was not like a, a rewatched in my household sort of film like uh, like Beetlejuice. Uh, I never really enjoyed it that much, but my uh, my stepson kind of likes it, so I'm like, ah, it's 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 Halloween. It's whimsical. I'll watch it. 
<laughs> yeah. And I uh, just released, which I haven't seen, I'm going to check out, is uh, the Werewolf by Night special they just released. I know, right? I'm actually a little surprised that I haven't gotten to it yet. It's been a whole uh, 24 hours, I think, at least. <laughs> yeah, well, by the time this is there, you, I'm assuming you'll have seen it. But yeah, so uh, we're, rec- we're recording this literally like within 24 hours of that being dropped. <laughs> yes, by the time it's released, definitely, because uh, I'm either watching it uh, tonight or tomorrow. I know we're getting super sidetracked here, but I love Halloween. New Hellraiser. What do you? What's your thoughts on that? I have not had a chance to really look into it, but I saw some art that made it was like a, a female pinhead. Is that right? Yeah, the pinhead. I don't know if it's supposed to be the same character or just a new Cenobite, but yeah, it is a female. I thought it looked amazing, but that's literally yeah. all I've seen so far. So I don't know if anything more information-wise about what they're doing with it has has come out that's all i know so far is that pick it's it's on hulu i haven't watched it um oh it's out already and everything yeah it just got released i think this week on hulu i gotta confess i haven't seen it. hellraiser 5 is the last one i saw yeah <laughs> it's been a while too and i don't even know if i got up to five but uh the first one i loved as a kid and like a i feared it sort of way Cause yeah, I remember I was, I was pretty young at the time when that came out and it was just a, a different level of gruesome and, and creepy that made me fall in love with it. So I'd be, I'd be thrilled to see a new one and see what the hell they're going to do with it. All right. So we got a little sidetrack here, but we are talking Halloween and to kick off our Halloween spooktacular month here at the multiverse. You picked it. We're going to be talking vampire hunter D. Yeah. Very excited. There's another one I, I know from that same time period of horror movies as a kid that has been a long time since I had seen it. I this It's either this or Akira is the first my first exposure ever to anime. I, I, mean, I think this one. Well, I mean, unless you know, that's not really true anime. I was going to say unless you count like uh, Aeon Flux from the uh, MTV show, but that's more like uh, uh, homage to anime. Well, actually, I, I might have misspoke. What was that old cartoon with the the teenagers that dressed like birds, kind of? And they, uh, oh, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> they had these outfits. They're all matching. It was like they had helmets and wings. Oh God, that that might have been anime. That oh God, someone G Force, I think, maybe. Ah, uh, oh, you got me that, there. Now, it, it, very old, but uh, <laughs> if if it's not anime, then this or Akira. It was my first trek into anime. You're making me think of mask, but I know that's not what you want. No, uh, once the uh, episode's done recording, it's gonna pop into my head, and I'm gonna be like, "Oh yeah, that's <laughs> absolutely." Oh yeah, but I am pretty sure that this is the the first legitimate anime that I uh, was exposed to. And I think it was it was from uh, my older brother Justin or friends of his, one or the other, um, that I was trying to hang out with um, to be cool. So <laughs> I uh, ended up getting exposed to it by them, I believe. Looking it up and uh, some background on this. Some of this was uh, interesting and new to me. Uh, anybody who's listened to the show knows I, I dabble in anime, but I'm not wildly knowledgeable in the subject matter. The graphic novels first started in 1983. And as of this recording, they're still going. They're, they're still publishing Vampire Hunter D graphic novels. There's been over 40 of them in the last 30 some odd years. Almost 40 at this point. Wow, like forty uh, different titles, like yeah, like forty. They're they're like basically graphic novels, like novels with animation, standalone. I, I will. I don't know if a lot of manga like counts. You know, books and a lot of them have you know twenty, thirty plus books and whatnot. 
I know they're all the same character. I assume it's an ongoing story, but to be frank, I've never read them, so I can't I can't know that for sure. They are created, and I, I'm going <laughs> to... Everyone knows I butcher things as it is, especially when it comes to foreign names. So, uh, created by Hideyuki Kakuchi and Yoshihaki Amano. <laughs> um, Good attempt. <laughs> I, I my apologies to anybody if I did mess that up. <laughs> we you certainly did, but it was a good attempt. <laughs> We're going to be talking the uh, the English dub, but this was and this was also surprising me. This was originally released in Japan, December twenty first, nineteen eighty five. Yeah, wow. Yeah, it, it was some years after that that I saw it. Yeah, my, me as well. <laughs> I was uh, I I didn't know it, it came out probably because. We didn't get in America until years later. It's probably why we, we probably had no no knowledge of it. It yeah. was uh, Ashy Productions, Epic Sony Records that uh, put it together. It was uh, directed by a Toyu Ashida, and the screenplay was written by a Yahushi Hirano. I think I pronounced those names better than the original two. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'm trying my best here. I move on from <laughs> now. The original creator said I uh, had a lot of influence of uh, everything from the the Hammer films to uh, a lot of the Gothic uh, horror comics and movies in Japan as well. They had a small theatrical release here in America, but it wasn't until August of 1992 that it was uh, first seen in America. And then it was released a year later on VHS in 1993. So I'm going to guess somewhere in 93 between 95 was probably my first exposure to Vampire Hunter D. That lines up a lot more with when I would have guessed. Yeah, from the age I was at the time. Um, so the the theatrical re- release in the U.S. must have been the, the dub dubbed version i would assume right yeah they did the dub version has small theatrical release limited theaters probably the big cities and probably some other independent theaters um but then it uh released on vhs and like a lot of things it's not so much nowadays but a lot of things didn't find their audience until vhs uh later on like things that were not they were somewhat successful and then they got huge made a lot of their money back with vhs monster squad is a movie that comes to mind like that as well yeah, yeah, it makes sense for the smaller budgeted things like that. Um, they can't buy their way into all the, the theaters, um, but then they catch on afterwards. I think that's uh, why it's so, especially in America, so well-remembered and still so kind of uh, popular because um, we didn't, it wasn't like now where, uh, you know, on Netflix, there's a new anime on uh, Cartoon Network, you know, Toonami. There wasn't as much availability for anime in america in the uh, in the 90s a lot of this you had to get bootlegs and stuff until they actually released it so that's why this i think ghost in the shell akira are still so well remembered here in america yeah they have that fond um what's the word i'm looking for um nostalgia there we go yes thank you uh they have that nostalgia uh for sure because they were the big ones that everyone knew uh, again, like you say, because it's such a limited supply. I wasn't sure if that was just because of my age at the time that I remembered it that way, that there was uh, so few. Um, but uh, yeah, that wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if they were the first ones actually breaking into the market. It could be the case of the, 
I might be remembering it as the video store I went to in the 90s. <laughs> Only got certain things. So maybe it was a lot more widely. Uh, but I was into comics big time in the 90s, and I don't remember there being a huge anime audience at the time. Yeah, yeah, me either. And, uh, Streamline Pictures is uh, the American company that got it redubbed and uh, distributed here in America and then on VHS. So uh, we're going to go over some of the uh, voice talent that appear in this as well. Now, let me ask you something. We're on the subject of vampires and whatnot. It seems like there's always two kinds of uh, vampire movies. It's the one where the vampire is almost a hero and it's told through their perspective, or there's the one where they're like the, the guy who's the vampire hunter who's the badass who uh, hunts and kills vampires. <laughs> yeah, right. They're... I mean, I suppose what you're saying is whenever they're in a, a protagonist role, uh, yeah, they're they're either the the tragic, conflicted vampire, <laughs> uh, morally conflicted with what they do, or or they're the the badass uh, hunter killer that's killing their own kind. And um, a lot of times, most of the time, it's some the vampire hunter is like ridiculously badass like blade or vampire to d or buffy like yeah even hunt. though they're half blood they're somehow uh stronger yeah. <laughs> that's why i love the movie fright night because they're like the vampire hunters but they're like bumbling cowards and <laughs> they luck into so much of what goes on yeah i mean i guess that is a a bit of the trope too that the uh the vampire hunter turns out to be half vampire some reason yeah that always makes them like an underworld is like ridiculous well, she's not a half vampire she's full-blooded yet she's more powerful than every other person in the goddamn whole whole movie series yeah that was a a, a movie series that i appreciated in like a, a cw show sort of way <laughs> i saw the first three i mean one and two as much as they were they were they were very generic, but they were good action movies. The third one I thought was awful, and then I never saw the fourth or fifth one. Yeah, th the third was definitely my uh, my last one I caught too. Yeah, I agree with your assessment. <laughs> so we're gonna go over some of the voice talent. Um, we're gonna go over the uh, the English versions. Now D and uh, D's left hand are are, vo are both voiced by the same person, a, a Michael McConaughey. Uh, now, he's done a ton of, uh, which is very common, by the way, he's done a ton of video game voices and anime dubbing. Everything from he was on Digimon, he voiced in uh, Diablo 2, and um, Masked Rider as well. So, Okay, so some stuff that was outside of like anime dubbing? Yeah, he did a lot of dubbing that was anime as well as other stuff, as well as video games, okay. which was very common at the time. Doris Lang, our main uh, female hero, uh, a Barbara Goodson, did the voice talent. Now, uh, her claim to fame is uh, she played for the longest time. She did in the American versions. She did the voice work for the Empress Rita Repulsa and all the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Oh, oh, <laughs> man! I didn't know that while I was watching it, rewatching it. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> So, I mean, she's done a lot of voice work, anime as well, like dubbing. But yeah, that she did a whole, almost all of the original stuff. Yep. She did it all. And then we have our, our main villain, Count Magnus Lee. Uh, you notice how every vampire for the longest time is always a, is a count. 
Yes. Like they're never a duke or a prince. <laughs> you know, Count Orlock, Count Dracula, Count Magnus Lee. Uh, what was that movie? Count Yorga, I think it was that early 70s. <laughs> yeah. Are there any counts left in the world? I mean, today in 2022, is anybody a count? Uh, you know, I, I couldn't obviously name one for you, but I was surprised to just hear a, a different King referenced recently in the news. I forget even for what country. Uh, I think something in the Netherlands or something like that. And uh, yeah, first I'd ever heard of any royalty <laughs> other than the uh, British royalty in a while. But yeah, I mean, I, I guarantee you there is a count out there. We, we just, we don't know. It. <laughs> now he was voiced by a, the late, he's unfortunately no longer with us, a Jeff Winkless. Uh-huh. Now here's a fascinating thing about this guy. He, he's actually a New England native. So, you know, he wins me over a little bit. He was born in Springfield, Massachusetts. Oh, nice. Now, he played Flegel in the original Banana Splits show. Now, what's weird about it was, I don't know if you remember the Banana Splits or not. No, I don't. Okay, it was uh, early, late 60s, early 70s, where it was four guys. They looked like, they. it was live action with cartoons mixed in. The four of them were, uh, they dressed like characters from like, that you'd see at Disney World. And they did little adventures, and then they had cartoons as the bumpers. And they were all animals, but he only wore the suit and did all the actions, but he didn't actually do the voice. Huh. <laughs> I just found it fascinating. <laughs> huh. Most people, the banana split, you might, the theme songs we ever remember is when one banana, two banana, three banana, four. <laughs> None of this ringing a bell. <laughs> I don't recognize it yet. Keep going. I need another part. <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't know that one, but what is that, that a, a kid's show like that was uh, the late 70s it, version of Barney? It was, uh, it kind of fits in the vein of like uh, HR Puffin stuff and uh, what was it, uh, Skidward and the Sea Monster. Those, it wasn't quite the level of Barney, uh, but it was, a, it was a trend where they were doing a lot more of the uh, uh, live action stuff. And uh, all I remember was the live action segments was always them. At an amusement park, they were like riding go karts or something, and then and then there'd be cartoons as bumpers. I just thought it was fascinating because he did he played the character, but he didn't actually uh, he didn't actually do the voice. He didn't get to lend his voice to that one, huh? But uh, they also did a, a couple of years ago. They did a I don't know if it's public domain. They did a horror movie where the banana splits were all murderers, and <laughs> 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 it's weird. Hopefully, someone out there listening. Uh, <laughs> Knows the banana splits. <laughs> and just, um, I'm not going to go over the talent, but uh, just so they don't get no credit, Kanito Shizawi was the voice of D in the original Japanese version. Michelle Tomazawa was the voice of Doris Lang. And the count was Saizo Kato in the original Vampire Hunter D back in 1985. Now, this is the first time I'm going to watch this since the 90s, so... I remember liking it at the time. I wonder if it's uh it's gonna hold up and uh what is it? Uh pass the test of time, as they say. <laughs> yes. All right. On that note, my, myself and Adam, we're gonna watch Vampire Hunter D. Don't go anywhere, we're gonna talk about it one minute. Those who know him call him D. A solitary hunter. He roams the vast wastelands between the light and the darkness. The year is 12,090 AD. It is a world where humanity is ruled by vampires. 
A world where love is stained with blood. Where hope is eclipsed by despair. When a young woman named Doris falls prey to the vampire's fangs, who will save her? Vampire Hunter D. His greatest battle is about to begin. This is it, the spectacular science fiction horror romance that started it all, based on the works of Hideyuki Kikuchi, with character designs by Yoshitaka Amano, directed by Toyo Ashida. Three legendary talents bring you the title that redefined anime forever. Vampire Hunter D. to the banana splits. <gasps> Sometimes at night, I see the splits riding around in the little cars, laughing and singing. Who's excited to see the banana splits? Yeah! Rebecca, I'm canceling the show. What? Hey kids, put on your ha happiest faces because the Banana Split Show is about to begin. Where are the children? Mom, get out of here. Time's almost up. Why are you doing this to me? Dad, please! Let me out! Now the show can go on forever and ever and ever. Come on, you fuzzy son of a... I just really want your brother's birthday to be perfect. We're gonna have so much fun! In the dark world of tomorrow, when vampires rule the night, from the darkest depths of hell, the ultimate form of evil awakens. After the dead stalk the living, after the desire for blood rules all, the only hope left is the one they call D. Vampire Hunter D. Bloodlust. Rated R. Meanwhile, at the Podcast of Justice. You just watch Vampire Hunter D. Well, we're gonna just get right into it. Like right off the bat, we get a uh, little bit of a narration where this is in the future, where the world's now uh, demons and creatures of darkness. They are no longer just the, uh, you know, stuff of legends. They have. Uh, there's been a war, and it's opened up the world to all these creatures. They aren't specific, so I assume they did it on purpose. Well, they say demons and monsters, so I think they can add anything they want at any time. Yeah, it is kept vague. They, although I did notice the use of the word uh, mutants was uh, interesting too, especially considering the time period with uh, Marvel 
and uh, their stranglehold on mutants <laughs> at the time as a term. I think they said it was something like in the year 2000 is when the, or 12,000 is when the story takes place. So it's quite far in the future. So we open up with our, our main female. Set in 12,090. Sorry, I couldn't help, but, uh, but it looks set in 12,090 AD. Perfect. All right. I was, uh, I was right. <laughs> so, yeah, Doris Lang is running through a big field with a giant gun strapped to her. Looks like she's uh, with her horse hunting some kind of black dinosaur type creature. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the best comparison, really. Some sort of nasty dinosaur thing. Must be kind of warm in the future because she's uh, she's not wearing a lot of clothes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's dressed <laughs> really well dressed for the, the role of hunter. She does end up shooting the thing in the head, blowing it, killing it, but uh, her horse ends up getting uh, killed in the process. And at one point, uh, a giant werewolf like <laughs> like puts the thing in its mouth. Yeah, she really goes uh, one random encounter after another, uh, real rapid fire to open the movie. And the werewolf also rips the cross off her chest. The werewolf was really badass, but unfortunately, uh, spoiler alert, it never shows up again in the rest of the cartoon. <laughs> just takes off. It just wanted a snack, and it got its little horsey snack, and it's on its way. And then Count Mag- Magnus shows up, who, by the way, is enormous. <laughs> I know he was standing on something, but he still feels like he's like eight feet tall. In this thing. Yeah, that's legit what I uh, pegged him at. I was like eight, nine feet tall, something like that. He's kind of staring her down. It's a real creepy scene. And then they flash the sm- quick credits of Vampire Hunter D. Then we go to our Vampire Hunter D riding on a horse. Kind of looks like a, a cross of like Solomon Kane in the shadow almost where he's got the the hat pulled over the, the eyes a little bit. The, the, the collar's pulled up. He's got the big sword on the back riding his giant horse. He's pretty big as well, so I'm not sure. Maybe Doris is just really small. <laughs> I guess we don't get a lot of other perspective. Uh, Dan, the the brother, is, is obviously a child, so. <laughs> she uh, is talking to D. Uh, wants to know if he's a hunter, but he's not really uh, talking to her. She tries to even whip him, but that that he kind of like catches the whip, and that's sort of the end of that, proving that she's the hunter that he needs, and she shows that she's been bitten on the neck and needs his help. It's the classic, I have to uh, attack you to test to see if you really are what you say you are. Gotta, gotta prove yourself, exactly. She, uh, If he helps her, she's gonna give him three meals a day and anything he wants. So Yeah, with a lot of implication <laughs> involved. Yeah, a little, little, little uncomfortable. <laughs> uncomfortable is definitely correct. Yeah. Uh, they go to the farm, meet her little brother, which is uh, Dan, Danny Lang. He even comments on how great these horses and that he's actually a uh, cyborg. The the horse? Yeah, the horse is a cyborg. Yeah, yeah. I thought that that was going to be unique to D also, but then later on we see plenty of robot horses kicking around. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the horse never really does anything like all that. Yeah, it, it just does horse stuff. Yeah, it doesn't like have like a laser beam or anything like that. So it's it, <laughs> yeah. him him being a cyborg really doesn't spoil alert play much into the plot. Yeah, the real big strength uh is, you know, he doesn't have to feed him. That's all. They they go into town and uh <laughs> when uh, uh they get 
confronted by a group of uh, roughnecks led by, <laughs> this guy's name is actually Greco-Roman. Oh, Roman was the last name too? I yes. Greco. <laughs> That's so bad. His name is Greco-Roman, the mayor's son. Right, yeah, they're acting like ruffians, but yeah, he turns out to be the mayor's son, so he's some measure of you know, royalty for the time. Uh, Jesus, the character design on this guy is, if you didn't watch it, is ridiculous. <laughs> he looks like a grown-up Beavis from Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> like wearing a suit Austin Powers like threw <laughs> away. Like, <laughs> That's a good comparison, yeah. <laughs> looks ridiculous. Yeah, he's got the roughly uh, white shirt in the center. <laughs> he's got the blonde hair sticking. Like, he literally looks like Beavis if he grew up. <laughs> uh, he's going to try and help her, you know, but he tries to make a couple of, uh, you know, inappropriate advances. Yeah, he's got super uh, Gaston vibes to, uh, like, the whole scene is really the same exact scene. <laughs> Beauty and the Beast with Gaston coming on to her at the at the start about how he can uh fix all her problems and uh her uh rebuffing the attempt calls her a trollop when she uh turns him down <laughs> then the jerk he tells the whole town she's been bitten and they're all in danger because she's been bitten by this vampire right yeah he does not wait to uh you know turn the tables on her <laughs> which uh they they want to put her in like this hideaway camp but apparently last time they did that count magnus like killed half the town so they don't know if they really want to do that anymore yeah right 50 years ago uh the last time they had used it <laughs> yeah and then um danny's kind of really upset and they have the scene i'm not sure if this would fly today when uh he tells them he can react however he wants but don't cry especially in front of doris no matter how much it hurts contain it he says that's what it means to be a man yeah, that's the line too that I think that would uh would bother people. Yeah, I'm not. It wouldn't be uh I think so bad if he just displayed it and said the stuff to him like do this, do that. But yeah, that line in particular a little, little awkward. Yeah, for her for her sake hold it in, but then he has to throw in that's that's what a man does and I, I don't think some people are going <laughs> to respond well to that. Yeah. They also talk about how the red moon is the woman's moon. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and, ew, ew, ew. <laughs> yeah. Little, we all know what's being implied there. It's a little. Uh, <laughs> it makes them taste bad, right? Yes. <laughs> makes them taste bad to the vampire. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I want to chalk it up maybe to like translation from Japanese. Maybe, you know, maybe it's lost in translation. Yeah. Which is a good thing to point out really too. Uh, this is uh, the dubbed version, obviously, as we mentioned the only version I've been exposed to of this movie as a kid, you know, I appreciated that. That made sense. I could uh, understand it. And it wasn't until a little later on that I got into watching subtitles and um, really came to appreciate that. Usually the translation and subtitles is uh, more faithful and more direct because they don't have that added pressure of having to line up their lips, at least somewhat closely <laughs> to what's on screen. So I feel like with dubbed, you get uh, a little bit more of liberty taken here and there for the sake of 
making sentences, you know, similar lengths and whatnot. Whereas I think subtitles are a little more faithful. So yeah, subtitles are, are what I would pick nowadays. So uh, confronting them at night comes two of Count Mangus's minions, Ray, who's a mutant, but not an actual vampire. And then the Count's daughter, Countess La Armica Lee. She's not very happy about, uh, but she wants Doris's to be Count's bride. She even says a comment about her blood is like the sweetest ambrosia. <laughs> now, is that a dish over in Japan? Because uh, the ambrosia I'm thinking of is that, that jello thing with the marshmallows. <laughs> Yeah, right. Except for apparently they have a really good version because I don't know that I've ever seen a really good version, but she's really into it. They have a fight at one point where uh, D stabs uh, Lee. I mean, not Lee. He stabs Ray, but then he suffers the wound. Yeah. Yeah. Ray, uh, I remember thinking it was uh, one of the coolest powers uh, when I was a kid. D says that uh, he'd heard of him, a mutant that can warp time and space. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then in this fight, you find that D is a, a dampier. They describe it as a bastard offspring of noble vampire blood. So, uh, yeah, I assume that would mean mating with a human and not any sort of, uh, I guess, like biting, you know? Yeah, like not made, but... Uh, but like born kind of like, uh, so I guess he's like a, like a daywalker, like blade essentially. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They end up uh, sending him back to the count packing. You see, there's a scene where his, uh, the countess is like praying to a big portrait of Dracula. She even says Dracula. So, uh, you know, there's the implication that, uh, this is related to that. And, uh, there's a bit where the count says he's at least 10,000 years old. So he's pretty dang old at that point. And uh, she makes it clear in no uncertain terms. She doesn't want that human girl getting tied to their royal blood. She She's really against that. Right, right away, uh, she's laying uh, the seeds, making it clear that later on that's going to be an issue. Yeah, she's, uh, she's a real vampire. She even talks down to Ray because he's, he's a mutant. You know, he's not one of them. Yeah, that's where we get that there's conflict between those two as well. D ends up going to the castle, which I got to say, the the exterior of the castle, the design is incredible. It's amazing, I think. It looks really awesome. Yeah, I like how it's a thin, like, fingers reach up into the sky. But when he gets kind of closer, it's like half, you know, gothic castle, but half, like, industrial factory as well. It's kind of kind of odd. Yeah, and we notice that then when he uh, enters and starts to walk through all these different mutants and some of them are like falling apart like a, a zombie but underneath is clearly like robot skeleton of some sort too so yeah i noticed that too yeah it's pretty cool because they go from like just like blobs with mouths to like like you said the zombie is like a cyborg to all sorts of cool different monsters and mutants in this scene yeah this is where we really see uh i guess for the first time the uh wide variety of mutants that there are like pretty much anything you can imagine is possible uh, he's attacked by a ghost beast which is basically like a spectral like giant wolf which is actually animation's pretty solid pretty cool fight yeah um, he ends up running into ray and this other little weird floating <laughs> evil ghost troll type thing <laughs> <laughs> 
that he ends up crashing down into a, like the, the floor collapses and uh, D crashes down, falls into this old like crypt type thing where I forgot to mention D uh, his hand is alive as well. He's always, it's like, which never gets explained in the, in this. Isn't that wonderful? They never <laughs> explain it in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> yeah. That is a, a different uh, style of storytelling right there. Like, you never uh, get some sort of, like, character introduced one-third of the way through a Disney movie that <laughs> like this, and then just never learn why someone's hand has its own, like, consciousness and face eventually. Yeah, at first you think it might be the sword that's alive, but you find out, you know, he actually has a face, like, on his hand that he talks to. Yeah, that is exactly uh, what I went through, too. At first, I thought it was a sword, and then I uh, realized it was a hand. And I'd forgotten this uh, from watching it as a kid, too, even though it seems like such a big thing in hindsight. I'd totally forgotten about this. They end up in a tomb with all these skeletons, and they make a reference to this is a leftover battle from the war. So some kind of war has happened that's uh, really done some damage to humanity that's led things to the way they are now. Yeah, and then he encounters the midwitch Medusas. Yeah. They're basically three hot naked chicks playing harps at first. <laughs> it goes downhill from there, though. Yeah, they turn into like these giant snakes and kind of wrap around, sucking out his life efforts. Yes, yeah, so he is captured. They flip over to Doris, Danny, and the doctor from the who came to help from the town. They're getting attacked by mutants. Yeah, um, this is the first spot where uh, we get a hint that for some reason Doris is falling in love with D. Yeah. Uh, the doctor even warns him not to because, you know, he's dangerous, but uh, she barely knows the guy. I'm not sure why she's so in love with him. Yeah. Right. She really just met him on the, on the, the road where she like stopped him first. She had a little bit of time with him and then I mean, most part he's been gone. <laughs> so they take him to the count. The count tells her that she's going to be his bride. He shows them a vision of what's going on with D's getting the life energy sucked out of him by the three snake women. Things don't look. Yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> that, the power of LED TV projection. The count displays a lot of random powers over the thing that uh you know they kind of just are there. Yeah, he's a definitely a real uh, soft magic uh, sort of thing, where he can just kind of do what is convenient at the moment and then conveniently doesn't do things that you think he probably could later on. <laughs> D, uh, he frees himself by his fangs grow out and he takes a big bite out of one of the giant snakes. In fact, rips their heads off. <laughs> yeah. He, in a big sequence of events, frees Doris fighting a bunch of mutants escaping. In fact, he, uh, he throws the sword right through the guy's head and, uh, rips like half, half his arm off. <laughs> yeah that's right the giant thing we go to the town where everyone's freaked out because the noble carriage is there and you find that ray is staying at the hotel this is being eavesdropped by uh greco but he's got the uh this funky incense candle the bewitching incense candle i believe it is Time bewitching incense <laughs> that's what it was <laughs> yeah yeah so when you hear that name what would you guess it does? <laughs> well, I, I, it's just weird. I don't, what it does is, isn't what I, I thought when I heard it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you see it, you see it's a little candle first off. Uh, so I don't know, incense candle. 
I'm not sure what got lost there exactly. But when you break it down, time bewitch. <laughs> you gotta bewitching. You gotta imagine it somehow bewitches time, right? <laughs> I thought, yeah, it would like slow down time or like reverse it or something. But yeah, well, we'll see what it does. Listeners, loyal listeners, you're gonna find out that's that's not what it. Does. <laughs> so just take a mind. Greco was eavesdropping on that conversation the whole time. So then uh, Dan has been kidnapped. He must come alone. And uh, he does show up. And there's Ray. Him and D have a duel where uh, he tools out the candle, but it has no effect on D, which he's shocked. Which then D slices his hand completely off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was a little confused. Uh, as to why he uh, didn't use his, well, it would be space warping. <laughs> his time, his, his power to warp warp. time and space. Yeah, why didn't he warp some space there? Uh, but I guess maybe it's because he was so caught off guard and confused by the time bewitching incense failing. And then uh, D says, "Done in by your own stupidity makes you question your life choices." <laughs> it really rubs it in. Which Ray yells, "You don't have to condescend." <laughs> then we go to the dock he's leading uh doris to a safe house but on the way the countess interrupts them you find out the dock has actually been turned into a vampire he takes the whip from doris before she could do anything and in a bizarre moment pulls one of her boobs out for some reason <laughs> yes like very oddly deliberately as well <laughs> yeah the justin timberlake style yeah, I can understand the whip, but <laughs> why'd you pull out the boo? Yeah, yeah, that was uh yeah, clearly for the uh the fanboys. So uh he goes on in this tirade about how uh how hot Doris is and maybe he'll get a piece of her before the count does. Yeah. Which pisses off the the countess who uh she ends up stabbing him, knocking him off the thing, says, uh, gonna kill you because you you annoy me. <laughs> I like the Countess. Greco shows up with the time bewitching incense, which basically it's like it lights like artificial sunlight almost that hurts vampires. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I took it as. Really is, uh, hurting uh, the Countess. She's going to, he's going to keep Doris. Uh, he's going to turn her over to the Countess, but he even makes a comment about how uh, she's not so bad yourself, which she says she'd rather die and go to hell than have, Listen to his voice again. Uh, where he calls her a coffin dwelling tramp. <laughs> D shows up and uh, he shoots uh, shoots him in the arm, knocking him off the cliff, saving the countess from the time bewitching incense. So I wasn't sure if he was alive or not. We're not I, he fell off the same thing the, the doc did, so he may or may not be alive. Right. Then we got the weirdest scene in the movie where they're all back at the house and Doris is taking a shower, which <laughs> now for no reason at all, we get a full on nude scene. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This <laughs> again, I like the uh, talking hand thing. I had forgotten how just kind of like straightforward, like here's a nude scene. <laughs> like the movie was here and there. It, it really is uh, forced in there, like totally unnecessarily. In no way adds to the story or anything like that. 
she throws herself on D, how much she loves him and all that. She doesn't care if he bites her. He, uh, he's losing it. He, uh, he has to do everything in his power to hold back actually taking a bite. Yeah, Which, we see that he actually has a bloodlust, you know. We hadn't really shown that specifically yet. But uh, he manages to, to, hold, to fight the urge and hold her off. Gets lectured by his hand. Yes, the hand does lecture him that uh, he should have some human uh, comfort. And I, <laughs> made me laugh in the next scene is they're all gone to bed and <laughs> D sleeps with his hat on. <laughs> He's like literally asleep with a hat pulled over his head. I uh, I totally accepted that. I didn't even think of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a giant hat, too. Yeah, it's, uh, the hat is enormous. It's not a baseball cap. <laughs> So then uh, Ray shows up again. He now has the real incense because he he killed Greco and took it from him. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this pretty much takes out D. He even cuts D's hand off to get revenge. So it's like instead of an eye for an eye, it's a hand for a hand, basically. Yeah, although he he also, I think, thinks that he is leaving him for dead. Leaves him for dead. Doesn't realize how strong he is. Yes. Which then uh, we go back to the castle and the daughter is desperately... Trying to talk Count Magnus out of marrying this ordinary woman. And this guy, who's a real, uh, real, real charmer, says how I'm going to do it, but ah, don't worry. It's only temporary. Uh, she's just a plaything. Yeah, I'm just bored. I'm bored. Yeah. 10,000 years, you get bored. So this is what you do every now and again. <laughs> and she won't be the last bride he takes. She's a plaything just like your mother. Dun, dun, dun. So she's shocked because she's been bragging that she's a pure blood the whole time. And yeah. He must be lying. This can't be true. She even asked him to tell that's a, that's a lie, but she won't have it. Now, Ray wants his reward. He wants to be turned into a vampire. Yeah. And that, after leaving him for dead, he feels like he's earned it finally. But Magnus said, because all these failures, he should be lucky to be alive. He'll he'll get back to him in fifty years. He tells him. Yeah, right. <laughs> you can ask for that promotion in fifty years. <laughs> so then we go back to uh, D. The hand is trying to save D. It's been cut off. He's trying to wake him up. We see There's his just, face finally this time. Yeah, you do see his face. He eats dirt and like blows this wind out of his mouth. Yeah, I can't say I understood that exactly. Uh, <laughs> I was a little. Baffled. Like as I as I saw it, I totally remembered it. But uh, yeah, <laughs> what <laughs> what does it do exactly? Yeah, it was that was uh, I was a little confused, still a little confused. But he does uh, save, gets D to wake up, stops this big red mist cloud monster thing from eating him. The same thing that we saw uh, eat the uh, I don't know was it a cow or something like that on the farm? Yeah, and then we go back. The wedding is happening. It's. Doris is hypnotized in her wedding gown with Count Magnus and all these druids hanging out behind him. <laughs> Danny tries to save the day, but he like literally bounces right off the count. Doesn't even affect him. Just comes flying in with an attack. The most uh, like brazen straight up attack on Dracula. I Who knows know. how he like got through the dungeons and whatnot to even get. <laughs> I don't even know if Magnus even noticed he was there. Yeah, no, no, probably not. Ray tries to get his revenge using the, uh, time bewitching incense on the count but the count just laughs it off saying how uh did you really think that was gonna work on me <laughs> uses like some weird laser eyes to send ray flying and then literally blows his head off yeah just like uh crushes it until it explodes sort of is, is what it looked like 
Yeah, like his head literally explodes. It was it was crazy. <laughs> They're about to get married where uh, D throws a dagger right in Count Magnus's eye. Well, you know, small note before that too, important that when Dan bounces off of him, we didn't know the Ray catches him, unless I missed you say it. <laughs> no, no, you're right. Yeah, the Ray actually saved him. It happens, uh, you know, off uh, outside of uh, Count Magnus's vision, I, I would assume. So we, he did one good thing before his head blew up. Yeah. Uh, he pulls the, his, uh, the thing out of his eye. He gets into a fight with uh, D, where he's pretty much just kicking D's ass. D doesn't really stand much of a chance against him. That knife out of the eye moment is uh, a classic, too, the way it sucks back in and heals. Pretty, yeah, the, the eye pops right out and then goes right back in. Yeah, like not a, a drop of blood is even lost. It just sucks its way back in. He's that powerful. He's pretty much destroyed him. Danny's trying to snap Doris out of all this. She is full-blown hypnotized at this point. Yeah. At one point, uh, both Magnus and D get stabbed with the sword. Yeah. <laughs> First, he, uh, Magnus is laughing, but then he's kind of like shocked by uh, all the stuff D can do. Yeah, their fight was interesting. And this is what I kind of referenced earlier, where like Count Magnus seems so you know godly powerful. And D does is as well. But then it, it really sums up really quickly, it feels like, with just some like sword stabbing and then a yeah, little I bit th- of like telekinesis, maybe. I thought the fight was gonna be a little longer than it was. It seemed relatively short, being that the whole movie is building up to that moment. Yeah. Really with what those characters have gone through <laughs> that we've seen them like survive already and like what you would think they could do for attacks as well. It seems like it, like losing to a, you know, back elbow off the ropes or something. Like that. <laughs> and then uh, he's got him pinned to the wall at one point and he looks at the giant portrait of Dracula and realizes that he does kind of look like D and it can't be, he cannot be the offspring of Dracula. Yeah, that's right. That's when he realizes the Dampier from Dracula himself. Then the whole castle just starts collapsing. Everything's falling around them. The Countess is there. She kind of goes down with the ship as well. Yeah, D gives her the, the chance to uh, choose some sort of humanity. She shoots it down, decides that she's going to die like a true noble, even though she's a half-blood. They escape, but the whole castle goes down. It looks like pretty much the mutants, Count Magnus, and uh, the Countess are all dead. And then you get kind of a weird ending where it's D's riding off in the sunset with them waving to him from a hill, but it seemed to go very long. <laughs> it did. It was interesting. Definitely. <laughs> like it was like a full minute, at least of him riding off into the sunset. Yeah. And <laughs> I honestly, uh, I could not remember how this wrapped up. So we have a, a you know, climax of, of him, Facing off with Count Magnus, all that stuff plays out. You know, he achieves his goal of uh, uh, killing Count Magnus, you know, saving everyone, liberating the town and all that stuff. And then, yeah, we go into what would be the denouement, uh, the fallout of all that stuff, which, you know, the castle crumbles, like the darkness leaves the land sort of thing. Like that makes sense. And then you think you're going to get some sort of a wrap up on like D. And Doris's situation, Dan and Dee's relationship, maybe something like that. I mean, Doris like straight up like 
threw herself at him, you know, earlier. And apparently the, the only wrap up we get of that is that D's sticking to that no. And it's an afterthought to him. And uh, yeah, they just wave goodbye. I think it's Dan yells like, we love you. And then you just see him walk through a whole bunch of different settings and then fade to black on like some grass and flowers. Yeah, like I was expecting like an inner monologue, at least from D or something, where he said how he'll never be happy or he'll never have a normal life or the the hunt continues. But right. Nothing. I guess maybe that is uh, a little hint at this is this is part of a larger uh, sequential storytelling. But if this were a, a little more standalone, you would expect some sort of like a resolution uh, on some of that character arc sort of stuff for him. Like what did just taking out count Magnus actually even accomplish for him? <laughs> it's a, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a different structure and whatnot for anime than, you know, our classic Western stories. Um, but you'd really expect that some sort of character evolution to happen there. And there you have it. Vampire Hunter D. We're not wasting any time. We're going to go right to our spectrometer. Anyone new to the show, the spectrometer is where we rank what we just saw. Four spectros being perfection. Zero spectros being garbage. Adam Booker, what are you going to give Vampire Hunter D? Oh, man. Is, uh, is nostalgia a factor that I should include? <laughs> My own personal nostalgia. You can do that. Yeah, it's it's what what it means to you personally. <laughs> All right, I would I would give it a a good uh, three point five probably because it's not uh, flawless. That's for sure. <laughs> and uh, this is a I guess a, I don't know weird thing to think of how to explain exactly, but anime today still has that sort of like sexual undertones and whatnot. But it's gotten a lot better at, uh, I guess, creating that tension in other ways that are a little less direct. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's it's hard to ignore the awkward moments of uh, where it's just you know straight up breast scenes for the the sake of uh, the the young male audience that they're playing to. But yeah, other than that, it's uh, nostalgic as can be for me. Uh, from when I was exactly that age group <laughs> growing up and it came out. I do like the storytelling and uh, the character design as well. Um, so, yeah, 3.5. All right. I'm going to go three. I liked a lot of the story. I thought it was uh, innovative, original. I liked the animation, the action. Uh, I, I think in the writing is the only reason I wouldn't give it there's a couple of things that just aren't explained or just sort of happen that are just kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, yeah, I just made up some of that ground, like I said, with nostalgia and uh, letting some of that slide. But yeah, there's definitely some weird, uh, what I would call, I guess, flaws in the storytelling. And I don't know, maybe it's just uh, cultural differences that I, I'm not quite seeing it. But yeah, but I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go three. I, I did enjoy it. I thought it was really good for the most part. Most of the anime I've seen, I I like. I, I thought it was fun. I enjoyed it. Not anime for like younger kids, but good stuff. I'll definitely give it a three. <laughs> what did you think out there? Did you like it better than Adam and myself? Did you like it less? If you did, that's okay. If you uh, thought we weren't nice enough to it, that's okay, okay as well. We're just two guys with two opinions. 
But if you want to tell us what you thought, you can go to my social media, Matt Spectro on Twitter. You can follow me while you're there. And you can find me on Facebook, Matt Spectro through the multiverse, and give your two cents on Vampire Hunter D. Adam, I want to thank you for coming back and kicking off our Halloween spooktacular. Yeah, anytime, anytime. I look forward to figuring out the next thing we can cover. I hope you'll definitely come back. Uh, do you want to even uh, tell people where they can find you on social media? Uh, yeah, I mean, I suppose I, I don't uh, post much, but yeah, Adam Dot Booker on uh, Instagram. Uh, I forget what it is on Twitter. Search for Adam Booker on Twitter. Search for Adam Booker on Facebook. <laughs> and uh, I want to thank you all for joining us. If you could, uh, like I said, like and follow me on social media. If you could uh, subscribe to my podcast, that'd be great and recommend it. I appreciate that as well. I want to thank you all for joining us. Any Halloween suggestions? Uh, fire away as well. Until uh, next week, uh, look out for those ghosts and goblins and join us again for another scary episode of Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. We'll see you next week. Excelsior! <laughs>